Welcome to AudioPie's English Literature and Language Show. You can dip into huge chunks of over 19 series for free and learn on the go. Happy listening, everyone. Welcome to the fifth podcast in AudioPie's series on Never Let Me Go. Last time we looked at Never Let Me Go's three main characters, Kathy, Tommy, and Ruth. Now we're going to look at the more minor characters and at why they are still crucial to the story. The characters react to situations and what motivates them to act this way. We're also going to consider how characters can be used to develop themes and ideas, as well as to bring other characters into sharper focus. These are the areas you may have to consider in the examination. We'll also think about how Ishiguro uses them to keep us turning the pages. Let's start with Madame, the mysterious figure who visits Hailsham two to four times a year to take the children's best pictures. Madame is key to how we come to understand that these children we are hearing about are different. Although the children are clearly important to her, she takes their pictures for her gallery. They produce a shocking and visceral, meaning deep reaction in her, a shudder. Madame was afraid of us, but she was afraid of us in the same way someone might be afraid of spiders. We hadn't been ready for that. It never occurred to wonder how we would feel being seen like that, being the spiders. This happens very early on, and it flags to us that something is very different about these children, even though we don't yet know very much about the donations that are mentioned from time to time in the first few chapters, but are clearly at the centre of the novel. Some character motivation is deliberately kept from us by Ishiguro to keep us turning the pages. We, like the donors, want to know why Madame takes the children's best pictures, and if her gallery even exists. Ishiguro, after all, hints that this is linked to the heart of the book's mystery. We were, I'd say, as curious as ever about her, but we all sensed that to probe any further about what she did with our work, whether there really was a gallery, would get us into territory we weren't ready for yet. We want to know why Madame cries as she watches Cathy dance to the Judy Bridgewater song. Cathy guesses, but she misses the mark. We have to keep reading to really find out. Let's look at how characters can develop themes. Madame's motivation for crying does this. The donors are at the forefront of a brave and cruel new world. Their humanity is overlooked for the sake of medical advance. Madame is moved by this. But while it develops this theme, it also connects to the theme of other. Like Miss Emily, Madame sees the bigger picture, but on a micro level, she is repulsed by the donors. I can still see it now, the shudder she seemed to be suppressing, the real dread that one of us would brush against her. We can guess why by using our own understanding of social contexts. People can be afraid of those who are other. Miss Emily admits that she too had to fight similar feelings of revulsion she felt towards the donors. It's significant that Ishiguro doesn't have Madame or Miss Emily work to rescue the children. They aren't heroines or saviours, but they are looking to make a better life for them. So they use the children's art to show the wider world that clones do have feelings and, perhaps more importantly, that they have the kind of human feelings that might be associated with having a soul. 
They aren't animals. But they are not trying to bring down the whole system of donations, and their attempts to improve conditions for clones actually don't work in the long run. This society isn't prepared to give up its medical advances, and because of this, it doesn't want to be reminded of the humanity that is being sacrificed in order for a certain group of people to live in health and comfort. Ishiguro could have had Madame and Miss Emily reveal the reality of Hailsham and donations at the start, and he could have had Madame and Miss Emily try to save the individuals that we come to care about over the novel. But by holding back from giving us neat solutions or obvious answers, he presents more ethically challenging questions. How is it that in our society we are also capable of overlooking the suffering of other people if it suits us to do so? How is it that we can come to forget that others are people like us if it keeps us in comfort? Does it suit us to imagine that others aren't really people quite like ourselves when, for example, we are buying goods made in what we suspect are really sweatshop conditions? Practice reading beyond the surface meaning too. Explore the hidden meanings behind character behaviour. For instance, Miss Emily wears her silvery hair tied back, but strands were always coming loose and floating around her. That's page 36. Kathy guesses that Miss Emily ignores the loose strands of her hair because they were beneath her contempt. You could argue that Miss Emily is unconcerned about her appearance because Hailsham is a pioneering experiment, an attempt to improve the living conditions of the donors to prove they have souls. Of course, she doesn't care how her hair looks. She has bigger fish to fry. Or think about the description of Chrissy and Rodney. At first we hear that Chrissy is rather tall and beautiful, but then we are told almost immediately that she seems less so by stooping to be like the others at the cottages. Rodney initially seems potentially cool and interesting, but we soon find out that he's very dominated by Chrissy. In fact, both Chrissy and Rodney, who initially look like they might be admired and looked up to, turn out to be fundamentally rootless and adrift obsessed with the idea that the Hailsham students might know something of another kind of future, one in which they know they can have no part, however. In the climactic scene when Cathy and Tommy visit Madame and Miss Emily, a lot of our questions are answered. Miss Emily and Madame's motivation for the Hailsham experiment is also there, bubbling below the surface, but never stated outright by Ishiguro. Madame and Miss Emily are in a lesbian relationship, Students at Hailsham are homophobic. I don't know how it was where you were, but at Hailsham, we definitely weren't at all kind towards any signs of gay stuff. And around the time Cathy was at Hailsham in the 80s, in real British society, there was Section 28, a ban on positive portrayals of homosexuality in schools. Perhaps Madame and Miss Emily have suffered discrimination themselves. Maybe this helps them empathise with the donors and explains further why they try to win them fair treatment and understanding. When Tommy and Cathy go to visit Madame and Miss Emily, they have very high expectations. They imagine that the two women are powerful, sufficiently powerful that they might even be able to save their lives. As readers, we might imagine the same thing, and the name Madame certainly implies that she is someone of sufficient importance that her real name is withheld. But once Tommy and Cathy get to Madame and Miss Emily's house, it is clear that they are not at the centre of things. They are not politically powerful women with a gallery. 
Their house is, in fact, rather ordinary and suburban, a little shabby round the edges, in fact. The gallery was only ever a pile of paintings and drawings. The only power Madame and Miss Emily ever had was presiding over a now-failed experiment. Let's look at some of the other donors that we come across. Ishiguro uses them to develop themes and ideas too. Early on in the book, a very marginal character is used to show us that Hailsham is an exceptional school, that it is somehow special, that Kathy perhaps is right to be sentimental about it. The boy, who has just had his third donation and isn't going to make it. He asks Kathy to recount her memories of Hailsham to him so that he can make them his own and forget his own horrific school in Dorset. Like the boy at the beginning, Chrissy and Rodney are also somewhat in awe of Hailsham students, and they try to find out more about the rumoured deferrals. Chrissy and Rodney drive the plot forward in this respect. They also allow Ruth's character to come into sharper focus. She mimics the students at the cottages and works at bonding with Chrissy and Rodney, although the bonds she makes are insubstantial in comparison with her relationship with Cathy. Unlike Cathy, she is not sentimental about Hailsham. As you read the text, take time to work out how characters shine light on other characters, how characters highlight and develop themes and ideas. Try to trace these links through the text. By doing this, you'll start to show understanding of structure and how Ishiguro makes the text come together. hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to search for and listen to the next episode in the series to build your topic knowledge. Hit the Acast Plus link in the show description to become a premium supporter and unlock access to every episode in every series for as long as you need. We also make GCSE and A-level content for history, RE, sociology and psychology. Happy listening everyone.